Acts chapter number 4, if you'll be turning in your Bible to Acts chapter number 4, and we've already been blessed today through the Sunday school hour, the fellowship, the music this morning, and we look forward now to the preaching of the Word of God. Acts chapter number 4, and I'm going to read the first 12 verses of this chapter, and I'm going to bring the message this morning that the Lord has put on my heart. Uh, I trust it will be a help to us today and certainly uh, get us ready for a great week uh, that uh, we've been looking forward to for some time. Uh, Acts chapter number 4, and uh, while you're turning there, as you find your place, you know, I just, isn't heaven going to be a wonderful place? Uh, you know, some of you, we, we laughed about this a little bit in the Sunday school hour, uh, it hurt to get up and get to church this morning. Uh, in heaven, when we worship the Lord Jesus Christ and we sing praise unto Him, there's not going to be any aches and pains. Uh, we're not going to have to overcome our shortcomings. We'll be in our glorified bodies. And what a wonderful, wonderful uh, place heaven is. And if you're wondering if heaven is a real place, it is. It's more real than this is. Uh, it is a real place. And I trust that you know that you're going there. If you know that you're going there, act like you've got something to look forward to. Uh, we, are, we are saved on our way to heaven. There should be no discouraged and depressed Christians. You say, do Christians not have problems? Oh, we got problems. Just look around. Uh, but we are born again. We are redeemed. I'm never going to have to suffer for a second pay for one sin because I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. What a wonderful, wonderful thought. And what an opportunity we have to live in the day we live and serve the Lord through His church. And we live in great days of opportunity. I am not discouraged by what's going on in this world from the standpoint that God's Word is eternal. God's Word is always true. It's a great opportunity for you and I as a song that was just sung. We can go tell the world we're a Christian. Uh, are you, Pastor, are you alarmed? No, no, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And I know before all these things that take place that everybody's worried about, that trumpet is sounding and I'm out of here. Uh, if it doesn't turn around, what's going to happen? The rapture is going to happen. That's what's going to happen. And uh, we as the saved are going to be uh, called out. And if, if, we, if you think it's bad now, uh, wait till the rapture takes place. And uh, it's going to be a lot worse. Acts chapter 4, verse number 1. Follow along with me. And as they spake unto the people, the priests and the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. That boggles my mind when I read how anybody who are religious could grieve the fact that Jesus Christ is preached and His resurrection is preached. But this is what took place. still happens today. Verse 3, And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. It came to pass on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Cephas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they, when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Let me stop right there. If you, we read verse number 6. If some of those names sound familiar to you, these are the ones who crucified Jesus. These are the religious who orchestrated the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the same ones who now have called these men into. A little bit of an intimidation there. And they asked the question, by what power, by what name have you done this? In other words, we didn't give you permission to do this. 
Verse number 8, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you hold. This is not my message, but we need some boldness to be preached again today uh, without permission from the quote-unquote religions of the day that it is still Jesus of Nazareth who this world crucified but rose again from the dead. I'm saved this morning. I am a saved man. I am redeemed. I'll never spend a fraction of, 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 a, of a second in hell because Jesus has paid my sin debt. It is by the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm a Baptist this morning because this Bible teaches me to be, but I'm not a Baptist because being Baptist saved me. I'm saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to be bold in that. Verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders which has become the head of the corner, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. This is very important for us to be reminded of this morning that there's one way of salvation and it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. We in this world need to not choose our religion by what will please man, but we must choose our salvation by what pleases God. Amen. We ought to be concerned, and I got saved as a child because the Spirit of God put me under conviction for my sin, and I knew that in order for me to get to God, I had to go through Jesus. At that moment, I wasn't, I wasn't concerned about uh, the other children around me. I wasn't concerned about anything else, but i got to get back to God. And the only way I can get to Him is through the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you've never got your salvation settled, uh, you've never had your sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ, let me say to you before I even pray this morning, uh, that you need to put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and be concerned with what God is going to accept, not what man is going to accept. There will be no poles in heaven. Well, what do you think about this? Or what does society think about this? There's no poles in heaven. There's a mandate by God that says you must be born again. This morning, I want to look at this passage, and we're going to turn back to Acts chapter number 1 later in the message, but I want to preach on this subject, the effect of the church. The effect of the church. What we see in chapter number 4 is the effect of the church. Now, we, Peter is mentioned by name, and these preachers are mentioned by name, and they're the emphasis, but make no mistake about it, they are part of God's church. And there's some observations I'm going to make from chapter number 4, and then there's a greater truth that I want us to grab a hold of at the end of the message, but I want to speak on that subject this morning, the effect of the church. Father, I pray that you would use the message this morning. May I be an instrument in your hand. May the Spirit of God uh, speak through me. May the words of God be real. May they be powerful this morning. And Father, I pray once again, as has already been prayed this morning, that there's someone in the service today who is unsaved. There's others being taught right now on the property. If they're unsaved, may they receive Jesus as their Savior today. Uh, may if someone's listening by radio or by live stream and they're not saved, not sure of the returning, may they be saved. 
Father, I believe this morning in the message we're going to be reminded of some great truths and the effect of your church. And Father, I pray that this church would have a desire, would have a continued desire to have an effect like your church in this day did. And Father, may we realize the same power is available to us, the same effect is available. And Father, may you use your word today, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We read in Acts chapter number 4 the effect of the early, the early church's having on the world. Certainly the world celebrates today the arrival of Jesus as he came in the, in, 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 as a child and was born of a virgin and laid in that manger. But that is certainly one of the most significant things that has taken place, but more significant than that is the reason why Jesus came. He came, he lived a sinless life, he came to be sin sacrifice for men. And he was crucified, being 100% God, being 100% man. He did so because he was paying for your sins, he was paying for my sins, he's paying for the sins of every man who had ever lived or ever would live. That is a significant, the most significant thing that had taken place. And as he gave up the ghost, I remind you that man did not take his life from him. He gave his life. Man is not capable of taking the life of the Son of God. He gave his life. He conquered death and hell. And Scripture reminds us that when he came forth out of that tomb three days later, uh, there was a sound that if you listen carefully, you could probably hear it was the jingling of those keys. And they were the keys to death and hell. And it's because he conquered death and hell, you and I, through, his, through, his, uh, uh, through salvation through Christ and his shed blood, we do not have to fear death because uh, there is eternal life for the child of God. We read of his resurrection, his ascension into heaven, and now he's commissioned his church, and we see the effect that he's having on the world. We're reminded in verse number 4 that 5,000 men had trusted Christ as their Savior by the message of a resurrected Jesus of Nazareth. It is having an effect. And friend, you and I need to be reminded, as, as those of us who are part of God's church today, uh, that don't listen to the noise of this world, God's church still has an effect. God's church can do what no club can do. God's church can do what no society can do. God's church can do what only the empowered church of God can do. And don't fall into the narrative of the day that the church doesn't matter, that it's, it's gone by the wayside. God's church has always been here. God's church will always be here until he calls the church home. It had an effect and still has an effect. I remind you of Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 8. If you'd like to turn back there, uh, you can. If not, I'll read this verse to you. But Jesus has risen from the dead, and he is going to ascend back to heaven. You say, well, where is he today? He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He was going to ascend back to heaven, but before he did, in verse number 8, he gives some very important instructions to his church. He, no, while there's nothing sinful about a softball league, he did not tell them to assemble a softball league. While fellowship is certainly something we enjoy, he did not tell them as the church that the church is to be a country club. Notice what Jesus said. 
But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the othermost part of the earth. What he told them, he says, after you get the power of God, he had already taught them. John chapter number 14 is one place I referred you to. He says, I'm leaving you. He says, because I'm leaving you, there comes another. It's the Spirit of God. He's given them instruction. After you're powered by the Holy Ghost, you go be witnesses of me. What is he telling them to do? You go tell the world of my death, burial, and resurrection. You go tell the world the gospel. You go tell the world that salvation is attainable through me. Go tell them what you've seen. Go tell them what I've told you. Go tell them uh, of my, 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 my resurrection. He ascends into heaven. Now, if we compare what Christ told them to do to chapter number 4, we see that they are beginning to do what they have been instructed to do. Let me remind us as the church this morning, we don't need any new instructions. The old ones are just fine. The church today just needs to follow what Jesus has said. I, th- I believe Jesus as the founder of the church, Jesus as the cornerstone of the church, pro- and the builder of the church probably has given some pretty valuable and important instructions for us. But we see this morning, and I want us to be reminded in chapter number 4, the effect that the church begins to have. By the way, when religion is in turmoil and upset, about what the church is doing means the church is doing its job. See, the religion of works just lost 5,000 members because they trusted Christ as their Savior. And so they had to get together and attempt to put a stop of it. But I want, I want, I want to see several things. I'll get, I'll get to the outline uh, fairly quickly today. We'll be out by 2.30, I promise you. Number one, I want us to see the program. In verse number two, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Is that not what Jesus told them to do in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8? He told them to preach the resurrection of the dead through him. Through him. That was the program then. That is still the program now. If, you, if, you, if you're visiting today or, or you're, you're, you're not here for the first time, you've been here before, as many of you have, and you're not used to be, being in church or around church or this is a different church to you, uh, the Bible is very clear that the program is still the same as what it's supposed to be in Scripture. It's still supposed to be about the Lord Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. That's the gospel. The gospel is not you can live your best life now. That is not the gospel. The gospel is not lighting some candles and hoping somebody praise you out of a place that is not in this Bible. That is not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. It is his death, burial, and resurrection. And we find that they were doing this, and when they were doing this, there was an effect. Aren't you thankful today that if you're saved, aren't you thankful there was a day that somebody preached to you the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ? 
That is the means of salvation. And just for a moment, child of God, let your mind go back to when you heard for the first time. Maybe you walked into a church like this church. Maybe it was this church. Maybe somebody opened their Bible in a children's class. Maybe somebody was standing at your door, sitting at your your dining room table. But remember when somebody preached to you that Jesus Christ came to this world, lived a sinless life, was born of a virgin, and died for your sins, had an effect on you, didn't it? The program is still the same. They preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Not just the program, but notice number two, the power. In verse number seven, and when they had set them in the midst, they asked, by what power or by what name have you done this? Peter, I don't remember the church organizing you and sending you out to do this. Well, notice what he said. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, The power came as a result of the filling of the Holy Ghost. Now, just to reiterate, because there's, there is bad doctrine out there, that when you get saved, you get all the Holy Ghost that you're going to get. Let me say that again. When you get saved, you get all the Holy Ghost you're going to get. Now, the question is, is the Holy Ghost going to get more of you? He said, by the power of the Holy Ghost. What happens when you are empowered by the Holy Ghost? Well, in in a nutshell, and I'll be more specific in a moment, people get scared of it. Now, when it's really the power of God, it has an effect. Notice with me in verse number 13, after Peter gives the answer. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The Spirit of God brings boldness. You say, Pastor, I can't be a soul winner. I'm an introvert. The Spirit of God brings boldness. I don't think, preachers say, I don't think I can preach like that. The Spirit of God brings boldness. In our stand, the Spirit of God brings boldness. What would enable the Apostle Paul to, to go to, the, to, to be executed for, for, for preaching the gospel and for him to not compromise in any way? It was because of the Spirit of God. But notice also uh, what, they, what is said in verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they had not got their ministry degrees from the right college. They did not have enough initials after their names. They were not scholars. They said, these are ignorant and unlearned men. You know what I get out of that? It's better to have no education in the power of God than all the education and no power. Uh, your, your pastor is not seeking more educations to get more degrees. I want to know the power of God in a greater way. They know, they said they're unlearned and ignorant. You know what happens when there's the power there? It's beyond our ability. Well, if you have not been blessed by the music today, maybe it's because you're, you're not saved and that the Spirit is not bearing witness with itself. Maybe your mind's in a place it should not be today and ought to be on the things of the Lord. But I tell you, what, what, what is it when, when some 
notes on a piano are played and, and the words of a song come to mind and the theme, the, the power of, of the Spirit of God is there. What can be done, no man can change a man's heart. No man can save another man's soul. It's through the power of God. If you and we as a church this morning, and I want preaching to us as a church this morning and be, being very personal today, uh, even more so than I normally am, uh, we as a church have got to understand if we are going to do above that which we're able to do, it could only be done through the power of the Spirit of God. Our ability is not enough. Our talent's not enough. Well, Pastor, look at the look at the magnitude of our city, and you keep saying we're gonna reach Jacksonville, and I've looked around. There ain't none of us, enough of us. Well, with the power of the Spirit of God, we can certainly make a difference beyond the ability. But notice the results in verse 14. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. When the power of God does a work, there's a result that no man can dispute. Men can say what they want to say about this kind of preaching, about this kind of church, about this kind of church, but make no mistake about it, if the power of God is real and evident, you can't dispute it. When a soul is getting saved, there's an eternal soul. That'll never spend a moment in hell. What, 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 what can man say about that? When there's a marriage that was falling apart and God puts it back together, what can anybody say about that? When there's one who's given their life to, to the things of this world and, and they go literally from the gutter and they get themselves picked up and cleaned up and begin serving the Lord, only the power of God can do that. There's nothing that can be said against it. There's results. Christian, if you want results in your life, get the power of the Spirit of God. Every parent who's still rearing their children, you need the power of, the, of God. Christian, you need the power of God. But not only was there results, there was the realization, and there were some who were upset. There was persecution by those who did not have it. You want to get somebody upset and when the Spirit of God is doing something, and those that get upset, it's because they don't have it. These religious men who had crucified Jesus, they had no idea what the Spirit of God was and the power of God was. So we see the power. Did not Jesus, in Acts chapter number 1 and verse 8, say after you have the power of God? Maybe we're not seeing as much of an effect in our personal ministry or as churches because we haven't taken the most important step, and that's get the power of God in our life. And we're doing things through our ability. We're doing things through our work. We're doing things through our strength. So the program, they're on the right page with the program. Have we seen that? This is what Jesus said before he ascended. Tell everybody what you've seen. Tell the world of a resurrected Savior. The power, he says, after you get the power, go and tell them. It's evident that they have the power. 5,000 men aren't converted without the power of God. A man with a sickness is not, con is not healed without the power of God. Well, I, th I, I say that and I think of how many times we have gone to the Lord in fervent prayer asking for Him to 
touched the infirmities and touched the body of one of our brothers and sisters, and when he reaches in and literally does a miracle, that is the power of God. But you cannot help but when you think of Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 and then the effects in chapter number 4, the effects of the church, you cannot neglect, number 3, the person. I, I, I love the, these verses beginning in verse number 10. After the, these religious and these priests, these high priests asked, in whose name, who gave you the authority? In verse number 10, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, the person, they have the right person, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, be witnesses unto me, go to this world. And he didn't say convert them to a certain denomination. He said, tell them of me. Salvation is in me. Peter goes on to say in verse 12, a wonderful verse, neither is there salvation in any other. There is one way to heaven. There's not a Baptist way, and a Catholic way, and a Presbyterian way, and a Muslim way, and a, and a non-denominational way. There's but one way, and it's through Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what denominational label you put attach, your, attach to yourself, none of them is, is going to get you to heaven. It's but through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way but Him. They've got the right person. By the way, that's still the message that the church needs to be preaching. If every, preach, if every church preached what Jesus said to preach, it wouldn't be so shocking when somebody comes to a church like this one for the first time. It would be just like I heard it at my church. It, 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 it saddens me and it angers me, and, and, and those emotions go back and forth. When you talk to somebody that lives in our city and they go to one of these churches and, they, and you give them the gospel and they say, I've been going to this such and such a church and I've never heard the gospel. I go weeks and never hear the name of Jesus. That's not God's church. Because the, the person is still the same. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're saved this morning, it's because of Jesus. If you're not, you can be, but it's because of Jesus. So, so far, we see the effect of the church as a direct result of them doing what Jesus said to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And then very quickly, we see the product. Look in verse number 4. Not only was there a man that had been healed, but in verse number 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. It works. It works. Say, Pastor, does it really work? Are you saved? Because if you're saved, it worked. Do you realize that in 2021, people are still getting saved? I know it's 2021. I know so many things have happened in the last, last few years. I know our world is changing quickly. But can I tell you, there's one thing that has never changed, and that is salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And you can still be saved today? Well, 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 Pastor Neil, you don't understand. That's not the background. It has nothing to do with your background. It has nothing to do with my background. It is about Jesus. And if you put your faith and trust in Him, you can have forgiveness of your sins. Life is hard enough to go through life carrying the burden of your own sins. Friend, I, I, if, I don't, if I can't sleep at night, it's not because I'm wondering where I'm going to spend eternity. It's not because I'm wondering what am I going to do with these sins. Jesus paid the price for them, and all I have to do is put my faith and trust in Him. And there is a product. We as a church can testify, as long as we follow what God has instructed, Jesus instructed in Acts 1 verse 8, we have a product. And if we, as God's people, not just us as a church, but collectively, if we held ourselves to the words that Jesus said, there would continue to be a product. 5,000 is a big number, but I do not believe it is too big for God to do in 2021. Because it's the product. So, Acts chapter number 1, we saw that, verse 8. We, we see the effect of the church. Jesus said, this is what you need to do. When we see the program, it's still preaching Jesus. The pro- they still had to have power of God. The person, it's still Jesus and the product. And this is, that's important for us to see. And I want us as a church this morning to be reminded, if we still do it God's way, it still works. And by the way, if it didn't work, it would still be right to do it God's way. Because he is ultimately the one responsible. Uh, this morning, I'm preaching the message the Lord put on my heart, but I can't save anybody. I can't make anybody make a decision this morning. That is, that is between each individual and God. But God will use the same thing he's always used. But this is the truth that I want us to grab. This is important. and something we need to be reminded of. But this is the truth that I want us to grab a hold of. And we're going we're, we're gonna to go to invitation a little bit different today. I want you to turn back to Acts chapter number 1 where we saw Jesus, before he ascended, he told them what they were to do, the plan. He told them of the power they had to have. The person was still him, and there's still a product. We know in Acts chapter number 2, Peter preaches at Pentecost, and 3,000 were saved and added to the church. Here we see 5,000. It is having an effect. Can you imagine what would happen in our city, in our communities, if 5,000 people got saved, if 5,000 people looked to Jesus, if 5,000 people were made into a new creature? Can you imagine what would happen in the, in the home if those 5,000 men, uh, uh, ladies would get a new husband, uh, kids would get a new daddy? There'd be new bosses, there'd be new work. The, the, the bars would start to dry up. It's still the same answer, still the same solution. It was making a difference, it can still make a difference. But I don't want us to miss what takes place between Jesus telling them what to do and ascending to heaven, and we see the product. Because I believe it's what's missing in churches today, it's missing in our Christian world today. In Acts chapter number 1, verse 8, we know what Jesus told them to do. And as he ascended into heaven, they are gazing, as you and I would, trying to register in their mind what just happened. 
the Son of God who we administered with, we watched be crucified, rose from the dead. We've seen the wounds in his hands. We've seen the wounds in his side. And we have affirmation that he is the Son of God. He tells us what he wants us to do, and we watch him ascend into heaven. They are gazing. An angel says to them, why stand ye here gazing? In other words, go do what he told you to do. Look with me in verse number 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes and Judas, the brother of James. They all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. I don't want you to miss this. We find the church assembling in verses 13 and 14 in that upper room. This takes place after Jesus commands them, gives them the mandate of what they're supposed to do as the church. By the way, that hasn't changed. From Acts chapter number 4, we see, we could go to other references, passages this morning, but in, in certainly in Acts chapter number 4, our text today, we see the effect that this is having on the world. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see that effect today? Wouldn't it be wonderful if all the cults had to get together and say, the Emmanuel Baptist Church down there, there's too many, we're losing too many people to them because there's too many people getting saved. See, Pastor, you would do that if they're not preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray their doors close because they are just damning souls to hell. It is through the Lord Jesus Christ. I know some don't like to hear that, but it's the truth. But don't miss this. We would love to see men get converted and men to be saved because we know what it would do for them. But you cannot discount and underestimate and bypass verses 13 and 14 of Acts chapter 1. In that assembly, let me remind you who is there. There is Peter who had fallen, made mistakes, denied Christ, had backslidden, but he got it right and said, I'll be in the church, I'll be where the church is supposed to be, and I'm going to do something for the Lord. Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing today if the church could have some upper room revival meetings when those who had made mistakes and they had fallen flat on their face would pick themselves up and say, I'm going to do whatever I can do for the cause of Christ. I'm going to serve him through his church. I'm going to be where I'm supposed to be in the house of God. Peter, who is one of the subjects of chapter number 4, when thousands are getting saved, first had to get over his failures when he betrayed Christ, but it happened in the church. Who else was there? Mary, the mother of Christ, who had forgiven and not allowed bitterness to keep her from the church. If there's any Christian... I know we like to justify and excuse ourselves, but while we hold bitterness and unforgiveness in our heart, 
But there's any child of God who should have been bitter at another child of God. Don't we think Mary ought to be up there at the top of the list? Peter, where were you when they crucified Jesus? You were too busy warming yourself by the devil's fire. We don't find that in Mary because the cause of Christ was bigger. And how much more could get done for the cause of Christ if we had that upper room revival where God's people could give forgiveness? Well, pastor, they didn't ask for it. What does that have to do with it? They don't deserve it. What does that have to do with it? You don't deserve forgiveness from God, and I don't deserve forgiveness from God. But we find Mary there who is going to pray with all of the others for the very people who crucified her son to be saved. The very people who caused her heart to break because she understood that it wasn't just their sins that put Jesus on the cross, it was her sins as well. They needed salvation just like she needed salvation. And this morning... I don't know who this applies to, but could you imagine what would happen for the cause of Christ if every member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, if they had some unforgiveness in their heart, would come down to an altar this morning and say, I'm going to forgive them, and I'm going to get rid of this bitterness because you can justify it all you want. It is hurting you. It is hurting the cause of Christ. It is hurting the church. And one reason we don't have the power of God is because we have bitterness in our heart and unforgiveness in our heart. We live in a world today where one side wants us to hate the other side, but as a child of God, we're to have a love in our heart for every man, even those who would hate us. That is the, the, the life the Christian is supposed to live. And what would happen for the cause of Christ if we had an upper room revival and Christians quit justifying their unforgiveness and quit justifying their bitterness? There's no justification for it. Who else was in the upper room? There are those that are named, his disciples. There are those that are unnamed. But what do they do? With one accord in prayer and supplication. You know what I found in my, whole, in my own life? And if I found it in my own life, I found it to be true in the life of others. It is hard. no. It's unlikely, no, it's impossible for a child of God who is backslidden, living in sin, and they know it, to be fervent in prayer. The average Christian can't have, the average church can't have an upper room revival meeting because the average Christian isn't concerned with getting right with God. And if you're wondering, if you came into that church that still preaches that you ought to get right with God, that's where you're at this morning. Because it is my responsibility to tell you that there is a day of reckoning for our souls, and you better know for sure you're on your way to heaven. You better know for sure your sins have been forgiven because the day is coming when you will not give answer to a preacher. You will not give answer to another Christian. You are going to give answer to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You better know you're saved. And child of God, how ashamed are we going to be 
because those around us died and went to hell because we didn't have the power we needed because we did not want to get right with God. There's no praying on one accord because we're too busy being petty with one another. And I want us to have a great week this week. I want God to do a work in our nation. But I want God to continue to work in our church. And this morning, the invitation is very simple. In just a moment, we're going to stand to our feet. And if the ladies can get to the instruments when I direct them to and they can play, we're going to play going into invitation. Hear me very clearly this morning. If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, it is not an accident that you're here this morning. God knew you'd be here. He knew the, 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 the message he would put on my heart when he would not let this preacher sleep last night. It's no accident. He sent you here while sometimes the truth is hard to hear. Today needs to be your day of salvation. You need to put your faith and trust in Christ. You need to let somebody show you from the Bible how you can be saved. There may be somebody here who you've been saved, but you've never publicly identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's time you take that next step of baptism, being publicly identified with him. Quite frankly, if I, I might as well just, just get us all this morning. It's time for some to get in the church. This world's dying and going to hell. It's time to get in. This morning we go to invitation. I want us to have an upper room revival. There ought to be Christians who come down to this altar and get right with God. If you are dabbling in things, living in things that you know are not right, get right with God. You cannot bypass God's way and have God's result. There are Christians you need to come to this altar and you need to ask God to forgive you for harboring bitterness in your heart and unforgiveness in your heart. And if none of those apply this morning, I think it would be an appropriate thing for all of us to be in one accord in prayer and supplication. Praying for God to do something in our hearts, in our homes, in our church, in our city, a political revolution is not going to change it. If you're still waiting on the Republicans to change things, they're just going to make a mess of it, just like the other politicians. It's not coming in any of that. It's all a distraction from the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the only one who can make a difference. He is the only one who can make a change. And that's the message this world needs to hear. But the church has got to get in the upper room, have the upper room revival, and there be no bitterness, there be no jealousy, there be no envy, there be no unforgiveness, and quite frankly, there cannot be in one accord in prayer and supplication if we are not right with God. This morning, as we stand to our feet, 
If ladies can get to the instruments, we'll go to invitation this morning. It'd be a little different than we do it. But if God has spoken to you, stand to your feet this morning.